Genre. Welcome back to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one tragic lesson learning minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Kyle Crane. Welcome back, Kyle. Hey, thanks for having me again, guys. I, I just I know that the uh, ray of sunshine I brought to yesterday's misery minute uh, is something you guys need today. So just <laughs> talk to you about yeah. death. <laughs> about some death and misery. Yeah, today yeah. we are talking... Minute 45, which uh, begins with Peter grabbing Uncle Ben's hand in his last moments as he dies and uh, ends with Peter crawling on a, uh, a brick wall. Uh, See, when Kyle had to deal with death in his movies, they were all very quick deaths. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> quick and off screen. <laughs> yeah. they, weren't, uh, they weren't slow and dramatic and drawn out. Like, yeah. For long. And, and, you know, <sighs> fantasy things like getting eaten by a dinosaur, not the real world like, you know, <laughs> lead <Yeah>. poisoning. <laughs> you know? Right. Oh, man. Dying in the street. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, so this uh this second Peter where it sounds like he has a million things that he wants to say <laughs> but dies before he can say them. <laughs> it's just one of the most heart heart-wrenching, heartbreaking I I death deaths I I think like in in mainstream like you know action adventure kind of movies because like obviously you know it's it's really it's like the uh, man maybe it's something about like people holding hands uh when they die because i was just like i was just thinking like i was like oh this and when uh when star lord's mom dies at the beginning (laughs) of guardians yeah Yeah. uh is is equally as horrifying um and and i'm like oh yeah because she wants him to hold his hand and he won't and this is the opposite of that, but it's just as bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's rough. It's real rough. And it's it's in that um, that catching of the breath, uh, the, the sort of anticipatory glottal stop thing that he does, uh, that where he's like almost l- crying through the word Peter. Um, I mm-hmm. This is a great performance, and this is hard, hard, hard to do um because as we might see in a second whenever you're crying or having some sort of like um really deep emotional moment with a camera in your face it can be really easy for it to look goofy really really fast uh mm-hmm. right this this moment with cliff robertson is about about the best that i've ever seen it done i had a um I had a professor in college who used to talk about uh, dying and death scenes. And his, his thing that he, he was always big about was do as little as you can. Don't, I mean, d- you know, don't, don't spend a lot of time hemming and hawing and, you know, heaving and gasping, just, you know, 
look somebody in the eye and then die. That's all. That's that's all. You really yeah. Do. But uh, to to do that in that small was of a J. Frame, Jonah Jameson teaching this acting class? Uh, no, it's it a man named Tom Lindblade, and I'm doing a terrible uh, impression of him. I guess. A, a more accurate version would be more like, you just gotta die. You just should die. That's what <laughs> I think my go-to language, my go-to voice of authority because of uh, how Scott <laughs> has cast me in, uh, in, in Geek by Night is to always go for J. Jonah Jameson. But no, at, at, at any rate, um, that to go, get in, get out fast is, is a safe way to do it. And if you're going to have a drawn out moment, that's, you know, maudlin or that could edge right up on melodrama. It's a really, really, really difficult, uh, thread to needle, needle to thread. It's really hard to thread that needle. And <laughs> I am amazed at, um, what he pulls off in these last couple seconds here. It's just, yeah. Oh God, it's great. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the the thing with with acting that I've always respected, and I think I think the reason why a lot of people don't is because they can't separate the fact like okay, we're watching a movie and we're watching this actor make these faces and act in this certain way. Okay, well, I mean that how hard is that? I can go to a mirror and I can do that, right? But right. they're not doing it with a mirror. They're yeah. in complete control of everything on their face at any given moment because this is their craft and they can just be like try looking like they look when you're not looking at yourself in a mirror you know yeah. to make sure that you're doing it right like that's where the craft comes in and i think that a lot of people who feel that actors are just dancing monkeys i mean even yeah. even directors who feel sure. that actors are just dancing monkeys um, yeah. you know, George Lucas famously is one of those <laughs> directors, uh, just do the thing. I don't care what you do. Like whatever. I'm yeah. getting my shots do um, yeah. and uh, going home at five. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really like, I, I think you're right. It's very difficult, but it's very easy to say that it's difficult without like really, you know, people who don't understand acting, to really understand and comprehend why it's so difficult. Yeah. And I think that's it, right? Is that yeah. he's making these faces on purpose. Yeah. Like yeah. he's he's in the moment and he's making himself look like this on purpose because he because he he wants to look this way and he knows his face well enough to be able to move it and shape it in a way for, you know, peak tragedy, peak <laughs> sadness. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's amazing to watch. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's it's hard to be in that space and have no vanity about it. it you know, because mm -hmm. the thing mm -hmm. uh, that's that's always really struck me about film acting versus uh, stage acting, not that you're not really doing much different in terms of your approach to the character or your preparation. It's more about the actual physical mechanics of it. And the thing about acting on film is that your thoughts are visible. Which sounds like, you know, weird mumbo jumbo, uh, wibbly wobbly malarkey, but you can see it real. I mean, if you just set up with like your iPhone in your room or something like that and read a scene by yourself, if you read that scene with a thought in your head of, well, oh, this is dumb and I'm going to look dumb, you can see it on the mm -hmm. playback. If you read the scene with the thought of, I, I don't care what I look like, this is important to me, that even if you're doing the same thing with your words and your intention, the thought in your, in your mind 
is visible, which is so weird. Um, but it's like at this moment, you can't be thinking about, oh, I'm going to look ugly or oh, I'm going to look this way or that way. You're only having the the thoughts that the character is having. And then you simultaneously have to have control of your instrument. It's just the fact that the instrument is your body and your face and the tool that you use are words and breath and things like that that makes it easy to forget that what you're doing is a is a really tricky skill. And and this, you know, having those two tracks in his mind of I'm I'm going to ha- think very loud and speak very softly, have the mm-hmm. right thought in my mind, and I'm also going to accommodate the technical realities of I can't shift my head out of frame here or I can't move mm-hmm. this side of my face too much. I have to just lock into this moment and be able to adjust when I'm asked to adjust is phenomenal, uh, yeah. phenomenal work here. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's a very unflattering way to frame everything too, because there's no dignity yeah. in the way that he dies here on the ground. And it's no. just kind of like understanding the distance of the camera from your face and what's going to read on it at this strange angle, because you know, the practicality mm. of it is that uh, uncle Ben really probably can't move his head very much. You know, he's doesn't have much mm. life left in him and to say like, okay, these things on my face are going to have to read on this camera from this weird angle. There's a lot of nuance to what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. And, uh, you know, a, a more bold version of that happens in the latter half of this minute. Um, <laughs> one that, one that's ripe for ridicule. I mean, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, uh, that sp- Toby Maguire really leans into his cries. I mean, he has no, uh, no compunctions about looking ugly while he cries. And for the most part, I I I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I almost wonder if it's, if it's cliff. Yeah. That inspired him to To go go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't be worried about looking ugly. Like you gotta be in the scene. Yeah. Your uncle is dying. Show me your uncle's dying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and it's almost like, you know, ironically, he didn't want to embarrass himself as yeah. an as a fellow actor. Right, right, right. Opposite this guy who had this incredible career and knows what he's talking about. You know, yeah. And and even I mean, it's 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 ripe for ridicule, especially in terms of like uh, screenshots and making yeah taken out of context. Taken out of context. It looks ridiculous. Yeah. But in the moment, I mean, even if it looks a little goofy at first, the thing that most impresses me about this moment with, with Tobey Maguire, and probably the reason they chose this take over a take that might be a little more restrained, is the transition of the thought process. As soon as he hears the um, the cops talk about, they know what direction the carjacker is heading and on what street. If you mm-hmm. watch his his whole face relax into this sort of steely resolve, even if you didn't have the score sliding in here and, you know, really building you up. It's the change. It's almost like, you know, Lon Chaney transforming from a a monster into a human again or something like that. Like it is a genuinely um, striking shift into the next emotional beat out of there. And that's worth maybe looking a little goofy at the beginning if you pull off that transition so well. And I think he does. Mm -hmm. I think he really does. Um, I I, I agree. And I think that the crying here is not as ridiculous as like say his post-graduation crying that he does later in the movie (laughs) sure or some Um, spider-man 3 crying or sure yeah (laughs) of course yeah like like in the context of what's happening here like i think it's fine and i don't think it's 
it, it, it definitely, he's definitely playing it at a 10. Yeah. But I don't think that in the context of the scene, it doesn't play as natural. Right. And in fact, for a lot of people, if this was actually happening, they would be in reality playing this at a 12 or a 13, yeah. you know? Yeah. So the, the fact is like when you're an actor, you actually, a lot of times you have to kind of scale it back because yeah. you have to be accessible to everyone watching the movie, mm -hmm. right. not just the people who would play this at a 12. Yeah. You have to be accessible to the people who wouldn't even shed a tear when this was happening. Yeah. That one of your main skills is adjusting what you, what your original take on it was, you know, mm -hmm. like you come, yeah. you come in, you do what you're, what you're doing. And then can you ramp it in whatever direction people are asking you to, even if they're not asking in very uh, specific ways you make, you make everybody's life on set easier if you can accommodate that as quickly and professionally as you can. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, because like clearly I've seen people who, you know, react to 12 when they get in a fender bender, you know, right. Uh, right. Not, like, it's like there's the, the spectrum of human behavior is so wide and so varied uh, that there's there's nothing outlandish about, you know, really screaming and bawling at this at this sort of moment in time. But you have mm -hmm. to stay in this frame and we got to transition to the next moment. So you might literally be doing less than, than, than reality, even if it seems big. Uh, in right. The yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. In the, in the camera, what so, something in the camera looks big mm -hmm. when you're like just behind the cam, when you're behind the camera or over in video village, like watching the scene from a distance, yeah, it would look like what? What is, is he even doing anything? Like what? <laughs> yeah, what you know? And and then you watch the playback, and you're like, oh my god, wow! Like yeah. you know, so it's acting. Screen acting is weird. It really, <laughs> is, really is weird. Uh, I always I always think back to the um, uh, I I'm gonna bring up Buffy pretty much every week on this show, but I always think back to an interview with James Marsters from Buffy who played Spike. If you're a Buffy fan, if not, he's, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a bold, flamboyant character on that show. He's a vampire and whatnot. And there's a another character on that show played by Anthony Stewart Head, who is a very sort of reserved character, Giles. And uh, mm -hmm. James Marster's interview talked about his first days on set on Buffy, how he watched from like Video Village, uh, watching Anthony Stewart Head perform and was just had this moment of like, he's doing nothing. He's not even... He, he's not doing much of anything at all. Boy, I can't wait to get into my scene with him. I'm going to act circles around this dude. I'm going to, you know, because he had spent most of his time before that in theater and, and was very used to just like really leaning into acting. And he did it and then went and stepped and looked at playback and he and he was like, oh, no, he uh, Anthony Stewart had destroyed me. He absolutely destroyed me in that scene. <laughs> I got to adjust. Yeah. And he, he said it was a very humbling moment in that like, even if you are top of your game in one medium, that that first try at the at the new medium, you might just like fall and trip on your face. It's very very weird, almost counterintuitive stuff a lot of the times, and it always feels like magic when it works. And this moment, yeah. especially with Cliff, feels like magic when I watch yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's great. Um, but I do have to point out to to take us out of this uh, this heavy moment. Yeah, I I have to point out that. He just told everyone this was his uncle. His uncle dies, and then he just walks away from the body. <laughs> what are the police thinking? I mean, they want to take a statement from this man, and all of a sudden, he's just like <laughs> hauling ass out of there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, 
excuse me. Just going to walk over the body of my dead More uncle. important things for me right now. Sorry. Nothing <laughs> yeah. suspicious about this at all. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Just flee the scene. Uh, and if any cop did follow him, they just found like a trail of his clothes into the alleyway. The trail ends at this wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah I, I gotta i gotta point out this alleyway number one dress like an alleyway like yeah. it <laughs> just has like just just empty boxes like and just gar like garbage bags and and just miscellaneous crap everywhere yeah uh, and the steam rising and whatnot like i'm surprised he didn't yeah, jump the steam over a homeless person you know <laughs> yeah yeah the steam rising is my favorite thing that they don't do in movies anymore yeah yeah the steam rising from grates and stuff uh, um i don't know if that's just like not really a thing anymore yeah uh, maybe they or, updated or, the infrastructure in new york and it doesn't happen but <laughs> right oh god it's just so cinematic yeah i, I it just it steam coming from sewer from sewer grates is just like that's movie magic to me yeah. like that's what <laughs> that movies pavement look like, yeah you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly um so i i really like the look of this alley and uh you know we return to the uh the 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 running on green the running in place on green screen uh, <laughs> thing approach to fast movement yeah <laughs> right yeah um yeah, it's one of those things where I don't remember. I don't. I don't know if I brought this up uh, on. Um, I don't think I did when we were talking about it on the rooftops. Uh -huh. But one of my things with uh, with with running is like I'm. I always. I've never liked the way that running looks anytime they've done the flash and live action. Right. Like. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's okay. It's okay in the TV show. Like mm -hmm. it, it, it's okay. Like it seems like they're probably using a treadmill on green screen. So yeah. he's actually running, but mm -hmm. you can tell that he's, that there's no like friction that he's running on a, he's running on a treadmill, mm -hmm. you know, right. that he's right. And, and then, you know, the, uh, the old TV show was like, you know, I mean, that was literally just, <laughs> you just a red blur, just like go like, you know, running around. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then this new flash, at least from what we've seen in, um, uh, you know, the Suicide Squad uh, beat that he's in, and then in the trailer for Justice League, uh -huh. it seems like they're going the opposite route, which I, oh, I hate it. But the, the slow, <laughs> where you do slow, slow motion things, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. do slow mo for fast. Um, and I, I, my thought process has always been that to properly show running, they need to be running. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. So build a green screen tunnel yeah. and have them run the length. No of, treadmill, yeah. no, like just run, run yeah. for real yeah. because the flash is running for real. It's not like he's, you know, walking on sunshine or whatever you think that he's doing. Like he's yeah. actually running. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, stuff like this does, it does drive me a little nuts a little, bit. um, because yeah. Yeah, he, he, you're supposed to, he's supposed to be running, and he's obviously not running. Yeah, um, and it's <laughs> uh, it's distracting. Yeah, because the the alley suddenly becomes extra long to accommodate for this this moment where he's running in place, quote unquote. But we're moving very fast next to him. Uh -huh. You know, like he's he's running in place on something on a green screen, and then the the walls keep going past him. But it makes if if 
if he just run the length of a room and then hopped onto the wall, it might not register as weird, but it almost feels like this, uh, this alleyway suddenly becomes like six blocks long or something like that. Right. Know, Especially it kind of takes you out of the moment. Yeah. 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 Um, I was going to say, I do like the way that they did um, super running on um, Captain America Civil War uh, with yes. Bucky and uh, yes. Black Panther and, and thing, because part of it was CGI, but the parts that were real running, they literally put a, um, not a treadmill, but a flat, um, uh, walking the 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 um, what is that the walking escalator yeah what is that like called? like right. at a at an airport when there's the yeah. the walking thing where the ground yes. yourself if you just stood still you'd be moving forward but so you run on that so you're physically running on the ground but you're also moving faster than you normally would mm-hmm. run so you can see the mus like the muscularity of actually hitting the pavement but you're going just a little too fast it's mm-hmm. yeah one of those few little like tricks that actually works like gangbusters for me. I, they they actually created that for the Incredible Hulk because oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cuz Tim Roth um was a super soldier in the in the oh, first half of that movie right. and when they show him running for the first time having just uh, gotten souped up on the super soldier drugs before uh transforming uh-huh. uh mutating or whatever yeah. he uh he's running across a field and they do they do it like that where they they hide the walking treadmill or the walk yeah. the walking uh whatever you want to call it the moving um, walkway yeah yeah the moving walkway uh they they hide it behind some like hill hilly ground or whatever and <laughs> he's just flying but he looks like he's running because he really is and yeah it's a great effect really? and it's kind of like low tech and just a really smart way of doing it absolutely yeah um, um the, another thing that i want to point out and this is this is trouble that i have with um cg is when uh movies do this uh, <laughs> and there's a few examples that i can think of but um so like you know going back to to my other show back to the future minute robert zemeckis after he left he sort of retired from live action films um, for a while so he could like raise his, uh, his, his kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wanted like a nine to five job. So we started doing the motion capture stuff. Yeah. Uh, cause you know, you just go to a set nine to five, go home, you know, it's, it's, it's easy work. Um, and one of the things that he talked about when he was like talking up that process was like, yeah, you can do anything. That's what's great about motion capture and CGI is like, you can do anything your imagination can think of. You can do any shot, whatever you want. And so he describes this shot. If you remember, if you've seen Polar Express, there's this Uh shot where the ticket flies off the train, gets picked up by a bird, gets dropped off, rolls on a boulder, like goes down this thing, you know, gets carried down water and then ends up back on the train again. And it's all done in one shot and it's supposed to be really impressive looking, but you're watching it and you're like, none of this is real. So it's not impressive because you just drew it that way Um, (laughs) or, you know, computer animated it. But, you know, to to really to really drive the point home, you just drew it that way. (laughs) Um, And 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 then, you know, you look at uh, a movie like Panic Room, which is David Fincher and the guy's a genius. But he does that shot where he throw he puts the camera through the handle of the coffee mug or coffee pot. Yeah. And you're like, what what purpose does that serve? It serves absolutely no cinematic purpose whatsoever, other than look what I did. Yeah. And and it's like, well, we know that that wasn't real because that's not possible. 
So we know that that's not real. We know it was CGI. So it's not impressive anymore. And the same thing is happening here. We know that there's not a camera tracking along him down the alley. Mm -hmm. And it takes you out of it because you're like, all of this is CGI except for Toby on a green screen getting dressed, running in place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the temptation is stronger the first time that the technology becomes available to you. Because I know that they talked a lot in the book about not knowing whether or not they could pull off a fully CG Spider-Man. And then when they did a test of the CGI wall crawling thing, which is in a bit in the um, the E3 trailer, that it right. was convincing enough at the time that when they showed it to some of the execs, they were like, oh, they believed that it was a person in a costume. And that sort of comp- almost false confidence from when the it, the technology first becomes available might lead you to that sort of um i can do anything so i'll do anything approach yeah it's right another critical counterintuitive thing there that i'll i'll think it's more realistic if it it Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like something impossible i don't know that these highly stylized directors like raimi like fincher like zemeckis Mm -hmm. they need someone pulling them back from the edge because they love doing crazy shots you've never seen before. And CG allows them to do crazy shots that you've never seen before that are unnatural. Like people use that term uncanny Valley to describe people in uh, that are CG. Right. But I actually, I think that you can, you can use the term just as much in cinematography that doesn't make any sense. You know, the movement of the camera is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the polar opposite I can think of, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before. If I have, I ap- apologize, I guess, but I don't because I think it's relevant here. I think the polar opposite is one of the best examples of um, making the movement of the camera realistic um, in accordance to your subject that I've ever seen is in Jurassic Park. Um, mm-hmm. The moment that the T-Rex first stands up when we see him in the rain when he's coming you know, over the fence and the paddock, the first time that he like stands up, she, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this tiny camera movement that I love, 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 love. Because the frame is wide enough that you can see the whole beast from tip to tail, the whole thing. And it it's as if a cameraman set that up and it was ready. But as it steps over the ledge there, it lifts its head up a bit. And you can watch the camera really slightly adjust to move up with the dinosaur and then back down as if on the day the dinosaur quote unquote moved too far and the cameraman had to reframe yeah to make sure right. she was in the shot that it sells me on it being real more than how how good the texture on the skin is or how great the fake lighting on it is or anything like that that little moment of adjusting because that uh, adjusting like a real camera operator would if that animal was really there sells me on it more than anything else whereas this like these gliding cameras that can go and twist around in any direction that no real camera could ever do takes me out of it no matter how good the cgi is Mm -hmm. 
It's funny you mentioned that scene because that was the scene that I was a guest on Jurassic Park Minute. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, and Scott not only yeah. also brought up the fact that there's a flash of lightning in that shot uh, that illuminates the Tyrannosaurus yeah. Rex and everything around it. And, you know, the CG Rex is illuminated and Scott made the point that that was to make it more believable. You know, that it's kind of like if the lightning is yeah. affecting everything around, it's affecting the creature the same way. Um yeah, yeah. So it's a little, little tiny things like that. There is a scene um, in. Uh, I just want to tack this on here from what you're talking about um, yeah. the Polar Express stuff uh-huh. you were talking about earlier, where we're still watching the ticket go under the boulder and the bird and everything. There's a shot at the <laughs> end of Tintin, uh, the Steven Spielberg movie that came. Oh years yeah, ago, oh yeah. Where oh, I yeah. believe that it was the only time that I've seen something like that used to great effect, and it's uh, they they did a wonderful job of not only having the camera move through things which you know obviously couldn't have moved through uh, but it will go back to the motion capture actors and it's clear that they shot this over a long period of time they had everybody kind of get staged for one portion of the scene then the camera goes through a window or it follows a monkey or something like that and then we meet the characters again in a minute so the very second we're getting pulled out of it we're getting pulled back into it you know with the with the characters again so um, uh, yeah i never thought about yeah. why that one doesn't doesn't pull me out of it as much i mean it's a huge i the the scene the scene you're talking about the like the hillside With chase the tank, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's a extremely long oneer this like single shot never cutting or whatever going through this massive crazy chase and i yeah i i was thrilled while i watched it even though i knew it was artificial but maybe it's because the whole movie's artificial that i didn't <laughs> I didn't I never thought that it would be moving back to the motion capture and then that they bring you back in at the moment you think you're going to be pulled out of it. I never thought of it that possibly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, in this in this scene yeah, of him no, running yeah. down the alleyway, I don't think that I I wasn't quite as caught up in how unnatural it looks until you guys were talking about thinking back on it like, yeah, it was kind of weird, but it it felt so hmm. Sam Raimi-ish to me, uh, tacked on to this uh, scene we had where Uncle Ben is dying on the sidewalk. Nothing about that reads Sam Raimi to me at all. You know, maybe it's a little bit more for love of the game than it is the quick and the dead. But then we get, uh, (laughs) you know, and then we cut to Raimi kind of like with the reins off. With the Sam Rainey's off, I don't know. Anyway, uh, and <laughs> it's, it's uh, I, I think Spider Man stands out to me as one of his best films, especially Spider Man Two, because he got to play with the two. You know, it's like we, we get the moments of him working with actors and having real character moments, and then we also get the bombast of Doc Ock, you know, coming out of uh, his uh, you know coma or whatever, and the tentacles going around the room. <laughs> the and uh, this yeah. is. This is is to me kind of like the first kind of like real Sam Raimi with the, uh, you know, uh, you know, like uh, unleashed, I guess, in in the movie that I remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I think I think for us, I think we we mentioned that the um, the goblin origin had a lot Mm -hmm. of Sam Raimi in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. Like this is him sort of, um, you know, coming coming back, like letting himself off the leash a little bit. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely good from that perspective for sure. Uh, and, and, uh, speaking of people letting themselves off the leash, uh, Danny Elfman just dives into that sort of like tribal music. It becomes Calypso (laughs) when he's going up the wall, you know, it goes from like... Yeah, I mean, it's all over the place. He's got, you know, the melodrama, melodrama of Uncle Ben dying. And then, you know, we kind of get picked up a little bit and then it's, yeah, like you said, tribal, it's almost like this tropical beat when he's going up the wall. (laughs) <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah. It shouldn't work, and yet it kind of does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't. I can't really explain how or why, but uh, you know, Danny Elfman's a genius. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's it's like one um, of the first times we've like had the quote unquote manipulative score come back in full mm-hmm. force in a while, and then mm-hmm. you know he goes from this sort of classical all strings and that lone flute during the, during the death, maybe it's a piccolo. I don't know. Uh, Some lone woodwind during the death and then into the big string strings and the bombast. And then to this weird thing, like we haven't had him doing Danny Elfman stuff for a while because we had all this like diegetic weird rock music in the, um, what do you call it? Uh, 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 the the wrestling arena for a while. Oh right, 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 yeah. yeah. And then and then we're finally back out of that, back into the normal world of Spider Man, and he he comes right back in full force. It's I don't I don't know why it it fits, but it does. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't know how else to explain it, but it, it cool. works. Yeah, it's cool stuff. I don't know. Um, so, so Kyle, uh, do, what, what was your, what was your first experience with this movie? Do you remember like the ramp up to its release? Do you remember seeing it for the first time? Oh, absolutely. What, what are your overall uh, yeah, thoughts? Yeah. Um, I was pretty excited about this given the, the first teaser of it, I thought was pretty fantastic. You know, the now infamous teaser where the helicopter is strung up between the, uh, 10, t- uh, the twin towers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from that yeah. point on, I was like, Oh, I love Sam Raimi. I love Spider-Man. This is such a perfect pairing, but it was really weird too, because this was, this movie came out in a time where, uh, and you know, I'm sure some of your l- younger listeners don't can't understand this, but this was a time where there were no superhero movies coming out. You know, like uh, this right. was maybe the most recent superhero movie before this was Meteor Man. No, I guess it probably would have been no X Men. Okay, so X Men came yeah, had just happened. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah X Men yeah. was two thousand because uh, X2 came out the following year, uh, two thousand three. Okay. Right. So, but still, it, it wasn't you know a big type of movie at that totally point. Yeah. and it, there's one it, other, they yeah. really kind of almost shut the whole superhero thing down after batman and robin uh, there was so much uh the superhero movie was dead is what everybody was saying after that movie bombed at the, <laughs> the box office it's like no you guys just make a really crappy superhero movie that's all there was to it but uh it was really kind of cool <laughs> to feel like justified coming out of this movie and seeing just the massive massive opening weekend that it had uh because it was like yeah, yeah these can be done well and it can be fun you know summertime entertainment but um yeah, it was. I, I really enjoyed this. I thought uh, Spider-Man 2 uh, is probably one of the high watermarks of the superhero genre. You know, it's it's just across mm-hmm. the board, just such an excellent, amazing film. Um, and then Spider-Man 3, I, you know, I know that you guys have a love for that movie, but um, or, or at least uh, <laughs> I don't want to say apologist, but maybe uh, understand it a little bit better than everybody else. You know, uh, that was a movie that coming out of that. I really I really kind of felt like the, you know, Batman, Batman and Robin thing, like just kind of like, is this, is a genre yeah. dead again? You know, like what was, what was going on with that production? I don't know. But, um, but for, for, for this movie specifically, I remember coming out of it, uh, thinking it was just fantastic. And there was a teaser for the Hulk that came on before this, I remember. And in the screening of the movie that I saw, uh, after it came on that it actually was a Hulk movie, like the words on the screen, I remember several people in rows getting up and running up and down the movie theater, like screaming, you know, like high fiving each other and stuff. I've never seen anything like that again. I remember just, it it was crazy, (laughs) but, um, yeah, so so coming out of this, I, I did kind of feel like okay, superheroes are back. You know, they're doing it right this time. They've got the right minds behind it, and uh, yeah, it's it's not a movie that I revisit often, um, but uh, I did mm-hmm. appreciate it quite a bit. But and then I never bothered with the uh, the Amazing Spider Man movies. I've never seen those actually. You know, wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, that's that's, that's uh, a fair uh, approach. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. Um, uh, but it, it just uh, it always it. I guess it shouldn't surprise me because those movies didn't do very well. So some people must not have <laughs> <Yeah>. seen them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's uh, it always it always uh, it still always does. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I was always I was always there for, you know, day one with sure. both of those. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, Spider-Man uh as a deep uh deep deep place in my heart so i mm. could not yeah um yeah. are you excited about uh home very very much so um i'm so happy that it's back uh with at least uh the marvel studios having some sort of creative input on it uh and it, it looks mm. i think the trailers look fantastic and i thought tom holland did a, an excellent job in captain america civil war so yeah i'll be there opening night for uh for homecoming i i, I love the trailer so far even though they kind of give everything in the movie away it seems like <laughs> but uh <laughs> i still think uh it, what else? Yeah, is <laughs> you know, we, we probably could have gone all gone in there and said, like, you know, Spidey's going to be OK at the end of the movie. You know, we kind of know where it's going to some degree. So, <laughs> but uh, sure, sure. Yeah, no, I think Homecoming looks great. And I mean, you know, Michael Keaton, it's fantastic to see that guy after Birdman getting, you know, some more attention. And I'm so excited to see him as Vulture because now the original idea for yeah. Spider-Man 4 from if stop me if I'm wrong here, but that was going to oh, be right. the Vulture, right? Yeah, the yes. Vulture and yes. uh, it was going to be Hardy. Black Cat. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. Um, all right. Well, Kyle, thanks so much for yeah, joining us. Uh, why don't you uh, tell everybody at home about uh, Pele Media? Yeah. So uh, Pele Media is a little bit like dueling genre. I, I think we're like a little brother to dueling genre. <laughs> and, uh, and the fact that we have a couple of shows under our umbrella, we have uh, Ghostbusters Minute and Jurassic Park Minute and Goonies Minute, which are in the same format as Spider-Man Minute here. Uh and those were a lot of fun. Uh, those have all wrapped up, so you can catch those shows in their entirety. If you haven't heard of them before, we're available on uh, Stitcher, Overcast, iTunes, anywhere you can find great podcasts, we're over there. And we just launched a new show a couple weeks ago, which is not a Movies by Minute show. It's called Undrafted, and it is a sports podcast. And I wish I could say more oh, about wow. it, but I don't know a whole lot about sports. <laughs> so, But our, our two hosts <laughs> that are doing the show seem to be doing a pretty great job with it, and they've got uh, some really cool stuff planned. So that's a weekly show, drops on Mondays. And occasionally I go on and talk about professional wrestling, because that's as far as my knowledge of sports goes, just the fake stuff. So, uh, but yeah, we, uh, we also have the Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash Pele media. And we do a weekly, uh, kind of like a daily bugle type thing on there, but we just kind of talk about just general, uh, pop culture stuff over there. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love your, I love your, uh, oh, your thank Patreon you. show. It's, yeah, it's it's very good. Um, I don't listen to every episode because you don't always talk about something that I, uh, sure, I'm interested yeah. in, but when you do, uh, I, it's a, it's always a fantastic, well, thank, you, thank you. It's, it's a um, lot of fun to do. Yeah. It, and for a dollar a month, I mean, their, their Patreon's yeah. only a dollar guys. <laughs> oh like, my gosh. Yeah. Like, come on, go, go, go throw them a buck and get a great show every week. Uh, it's come on. That's, that's 25 cents a podcast. Like it's <laughs> absolutely well, worth it. We have low overhead um, so, and we pass so, the savings on to the listener. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so go check out uh, go check out Paley Media on Patreon and thanks again Kyle for for being on and we'll definitely have to have you back oh I'd love to guys too. thank you so much it's been a lot of fun mm-hmm. yeah uh, and we will be back uh, next week for uh, minute uh, minute 46 uh, but in the meantime you can check out our Patreon hey. uh, com slash support go there and if you support us on Patreon you will gain access to the Spider-Man Minute Weekend Bugle which uh, Zach and I are doing uh, every other weekend um, and then it will be weekly 
uh, during our hiatus between Spider-Man and Spider-Man two, when that happens like a few months from now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so be on the lookout for that. You know, on that show, we just talk about Spider-Man news and eventually we're going to start getting into like sort of, uh, Spider-Man topics where we'll, we'll talk about some like, you know, like the Fox animated show or, yeah. uh, you know, the, the 1977 Spider-Man live action TV show yeah, or, or comics, you know, or comics games. or yeah. yeah, whatever. There's a lot so, of Spider-Man stuff out there. Uh, it, it is an embarrassment of riches. Uh, so <laughs> So check that out. At some point, we're going to have to do the Japanese show, and I am pumped uh, to talk about the Japanese <laughs> so show weird. where Spider-Man has a Zord. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking about all of that stuff on, on Weekend Bugle. So go check that out. That's duelinggenre.com slash support. And we will be back next week with Minute 46. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.